This is Morgan Johnson, host of the Tracy Comic Show, inviting you November 4th and 5th at Northgate Village in Tracy for two days of family fun and to meet our special guest and creator of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Kevin Eastman, and to receive a copy of our first edition, Harmony, the first deaf superheroine ever. So come and join us. You are listening to Geekish Cast, an Astro Panda Production Network's podcast. Welcome back to Geek's Cast, episode 165. It's nearly Halloween, and I thought it might be a good time to talk to somebody who's made a board game about horror movie characters. We're going to get a quick word from our sponsor, and when we come back, we'll find out where our guest is hiding his machete. All right, guys, thanks for coming back. I'm your host, Jeremy. This is Geekish Cast, and our guest today is Fred Carlini from Bright Lights Media, one of the creators of the board game Mixtape Massacre. How are you doing today, Fred? I'm good, man. How are you doing? I'm doing quite well. Thank you for asking. Um, I have to ask, are you a Halloween guy? Because it is nearly Halloween. I'm a very big Halloween guy. <laughs> <laughs> at what age at What age did you first get into scary stuff? Uh, probably, I would say it was between six and eight years of age. Um, my father brought home a movie called Hell Night, um, and put it on for me and my brothers and my little sister. And I would probably say from then on, I was pretty hooked. Awesome. Um, I, I would say actually that same year, there's a picture of my sister dressed up as a California raisin and I'm dressed up as Jason Voorhees. So. That is awesome. <laughs> now, so if you're dressed as Jason, was it uh, hockey mask or sack head? It was hockey mask mixed with like the, uh, he had like the, the flannel shirt that, actually mrs Voorhees is wearing in the first film so nice. it's, like, it's like a mix between the two it's pretty hilarious that's pretty cool so he did like a greatest hits cover album version <laughs> basically yeah didn't, know, didn't even know it as a kid but i was like oh sweet i'm already on the edge that is so cool um hey so tell me a little bit about bright lights media because i don't really know about the company behind mixtape massacre and before we talk about the game i'd like to hear a little bit about you guys in total sure so um it's a small boutique we're um a full creative studio. Basically, our motto is all things creative. Um, the company was started by my, uh, with my best friend from high school, Matt Carrado, and myself. Um, we're both uh, co-owners of the company. Um, we have a couple contractors under us, and we have one main employee who is Mary Joy. Um, she handles a lot of our content, photography, social media, things like that. Um, we basically do video production, web development, graphic design, um, like I said, all things creative. So um, we've been around for a good amount of time. We have a lot of clients, um, both nationally and internationally. Um, we work with everything from small startup companies to Fortune 500s and just about everything in between. Um, and, yeah, I mean, Mixtape was kind of a kind of a passion project for me slash a fun side project for the company to uh, kind of get into about three years ago. So you guys probably do graphics and that sort of thing. So you're kind of in the game world there, right? For sure. Yeah. Okay. So where did the idea, I mean, what was the genesis of like, Hey guys, we're going to make a board game 
called Mixtape Massacre? How how did that conversation come about? It started with actually I was at a game night with a bunch of friends and we were playing a bunch of different board games. And some of them were a little more complex than the others. And it was really hard for friends in the in the room to get into some of the games. You know, we were spending close to 30 to 45 minutes just trying to get the rules down for them before we started playing. And I kind of got annoyed with it because I wanted something that you could jump into real easy and mm-hmm. get, the, get the swing of real quick. But it would also be something that, you know, was fun, funny, poked fun at things. And people would get a lot of references and nostalgia from. So after the game night, I kind of got like, annoyed with it and i was like you know why why couldn't we make a board game i was kind of looking at like all the games that we had and then i was kind of thinking about what what i didn't think existed and um i started thinking about slasher films because it's something i love um and i'm an 80s kid so i really wanted to make like an ultimate love letter to the 80s as much as it is to 80s horror mixtape masker is also a very big love letter to the 80s because i thought the 80s is a really weird and quirky era, um, both musically and pop culture-wise. But it's also an era that I think continually comes back. And people continually want to you know, either make shows that reference the 80s or art taking place in the 80s um, and things like that. So I kind of made a makeshift board um, with some pieces and some cards. And I kept working on it for about a month or two, kind of at my house, you know, off-site, off-company off hours. And then one day I came in and we had a lunch with Mary Joy, Matt, and myself. And I was kind of like, all right, I made this thing. Let's play it. And I want to get your guys' feedback and see if you guys are at all interested in doing this. And... Matt, Matt was really hesitant at first because he's like, we don't have time for this. He's like, what are, you, what are you doing? And we played it and they were really getting into it. And then they started having ideas like crazy. Uh, Mary Joy was really big on helping with the development and rules. Matt is an illustrator. So he really had a lot of ideas for how we could do looks. He came up with this great idea for the way to manage health would be actually a knife station to just really drive home that whole like, you know, slasher feel. And Mary Joy and I put together an 80s playlist that's available on Spotify. We just we really went all out as much as we could to just make this thing as 80s possible, like that we could infuse without like breaking legal rights or anything like that. We wanted to just make it as much fun as we could do uh, as we could. So we spent about five to six months developing the thing. Um, we, we did a lot of play test nights with friends and things like that. Um, and then we were slowly building social media during that time. Mary Joy was spending a lot of time doing that while Matt and I were really working on like design and Matt was cr- uh, crunching out um, illustrations like crazy. And you know, when you, when you kind of look at the characters, as much as they're direct references to certain slashers, there's also hints in each and every one of them that kind of hint to other 80s characters and other 80s horror characters and things like that. And that's kind of the fun of, of the game is everything is kind of an amalgamate of multiple pop culture references. I think we hit Kickstarter by May. Pretty decent following. And what was really cool, and it's the thing I've always loved about the horror community, is is that the horror community really came out and was like pushing this for us and, and the movie community at the time. Um, birth movies, death was really uh, pushing for us. Uh, Bloody disgusting ran an article for us. Um, Steve Barton from um, uh, dread central 
he really pushed us along um, and made sure we got attention. Um, and it was really, really cool uh, just to see how much the horror community was like, wow, this is something like we haven't seen before. And this is something that really is like, like you can tell is like a big love letter to the to 80s horror. So it was really cool. We were able to get launched uh, about a year later. The game came out. Once it came out, we actually sold out. And Matt and I were really hesitant on whether we wanted to go in and do another run because a second run would mean that it would it would then go on us. It wouldn't be through Kickstarter. But we we said, you know, screw it. Um, we believe in it. We did the second run, and um, second run has done amazingly, and we're about to go into a third run. And just this year, we actually also kickstarted an expansion for it. That's so, awesome. So it's it's been pretty crazy, um, especially since like this is really a side project for us. But we we try to devote as much time as we can to it. But it's it's really taken off and kind of grown. And um, I think as it's growing, we're realizing like you know people really like it, so we're we're starting to now make it a major part of our company. There's, there's a lot to unpack there. A, the fact that you guys took the time to put together a soundtrack adds, <laughs> adds so much texture and everything to it that it's just, we, we did play it one time. I, I don't even know if we got all the way through it or whatever. We did put it on one time on one of our plays of the game just to kind of like see if it added anything. Because your board game, like you're saying, you have a lot of like horror and slasher references in there, but you know your your cards that you pull during play reference the Breakfast Club and everything else from the '80s that you can imagine. For sure, for you sure. Know, yeah. yeah. Now, do you think did you guys kind of happen into this at a lucky time? Because while you were doing this, there's been a dearth of slasher films and. I think we can see, you know, uh, with Gun Media's Friday the 13th video game and things coming out, those of us who love slasher flicks are totally willing to throw our time, money, and support into side projects so we can get our slasher fixes. Is that, do you think there's something to that? Absolutely. Well, it's funny. Um, We went live with ours, and I think Gun Media, we actually actually backed them, I think, a couple months after our Kickstarter finished, because I think then they went live. And did the Friday the 13th, and I was like, oh, this is awesome. I was like, kudos to them, and put money down immediately for that. Um, and it, it was crazy, actually. Um, my friends, I think I think right after our game came out, um, like, was actually manufactured and was in the hands of backers, I think two months later, or maybe not two months later, I think it was like four months later, Stranger Things hit TV. And a bunch of my friends were hitting us up and we were like, hey, have you seen this show? And I was like, yeah. I was like, this is amazing. Because, like, the show itself is is a lot like mixtape. And it's this, mm-hmm. like, giant love letter to just, like, so much 80s horror and sci-fi and everything. Um, so I was, I was, I was really pumped because it was, like, it was cool to come in at the right time. And, you know, I was happy that we got the game made before it happened so then people wouldn't think we were just riding this wave that like it it was cool to get in right before it so like it it wasn't just us you know jumping on the bandwagon um we we got it out soon enough but yeah i i'm I'm really happy that it's happening i'm really happy to see an 80s revival because i i think a lot of film from that time still stands as some of like the cult classics that people watch today and that i love to go back to watch you know movies like the thing movies like goonies um I think those films are staples, mm-hmm. uh, and I think 
I think some of that quality that you saw in those movies you lose nowadays, and I, I wish to see more. I, I think that's why I'm so happy about shows like Stranger Things that definitely bring back that feel. Um, and there's 10 episodes each time, so you get a lot of it. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, let's, um, let's cover this real quick. So Mixtape Massacre is a board game for two to six players. What is the goal of the game as you play it? So the goal of the game, without making any moms mad, is that you're the killer. So you're mm -hmm, trying to kill mm -hmm. as many people as possible. <laughs> um, and really the, the, the game is, is that um, I always say to people, it's um, you either need to kill enough people because there's a goal depending upon how many people are playing. You need to kill enough people to win the game or you need to kill off everyone else that's playing the game. And I always find that fun that you can kind of it, – we, it's funny that – I never say there's really strategy to the game because really it is just kill or be killed. But I do always find it funny that when we're playing, sometimes people will be like, screw going and killing the victims. Like they just immediately start gunning towards their friends and trying mm -hmm. to kill each other. And I, I really get a kick out of watching that happen a lot of times when we have demo nights and things like that. You know, along the way, there's chance cards that can come up that um, they're on these cards called bonus tracks, which are little cassette tapes. And they can either help or hurt you along the way. Um, there's the killer scene cards, which are the, uh, basically the cards you get when you enter locations while playing the game. And those cards either give you a chance to kill people or sometimes they're cards where you're going to have to defend yourself against attackers. Um, there's, uh, there's sewers that help you shortcut through the game to get you to locations faster. Cause we wanted a way to, you know, in, in movies like, you know, nightmare on Elm street and movies like, uh, um, Friday the 13th, it was always like Jason could get to places much faster, even though he was just walking after you. So we thought the sewer shortcuts made the most sense within a small town as a way for the killer to get to locations quicker to get people rather than just moving through the town. So it's a fun game, you know, usually 30 minutes to an hour and a half, depending upon how many people are playing. Lots of humor, as well as lots of like fun and slashing and stabbing and things like that. But uh, definitely a fun party game is what I always say. Okay. Well, and if you wouldn't mind, let's let's take a moment and kind of go through your characters and talk about some of their inspiration. You don't sure. you don't directly have I mean like Jason's not in this game, Freddy's not in this game, but dudes very much like Freddy and Jason are in this game. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah. So, I'm going to go off your website at mixtapemassacre.com. I'm going to roll down your cast page. And we're just going to go right in order here. On your artwork, the first guy that popped out to me was a hockey mask wearing green haired kind of lunatic uh, who you've called the legend. Yep. The legend, I am going to guess, is uh, based slightly at least on uh, Jason Voorhees. For sure. I'd say he's, um, I would say as much as he's based on Jason Voorhees, whereas Jason Voorhees has a, um, a hockey mask, mm -hmm. if you kind of look at the legend's mask, it's very Cobra Commander. And very Michael Myers. I was going to say, but I was wondering if he wasn't more just kind of like a mix of Michael and Jason because, yeah. yeah. Um, and um, and then we have his actual outfit is very inspired by the movie Cobra. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with the film with Sylvester Stallone. The Stallone film, yeah. <laughs> okay, so the outfit itself is very inspired by the killer from that movie. 
Um, okay. He's got he's got the uh, driving gloves on. He's got that uh, brown jacket, the black shirt, and then he's got the jeans with the boots. All very much the main killer from. Now, see, I'm from... usually I'm usually pretty good at ferreting out little references like that. I never would have gotten that one. <laughs> well, and that's the that's the fun of it is that there's always little things in there that some people are going to get and some people are never going to get. And then it's funny we had some guy buy the game at a convention one time. And he, 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 he was looking at stuff and he was noticing stuff and making guesses about what stuff was. And then he'd actually messaged us later on after watching a movie one night and was like, oh, my God, I didn't get this until I rewatched this and noticed this. And I was like, oh, well, there, well, there you go. And like it's kind of fun stuff like that that we kind of really enjoy. Um, and you'll see it in a lot of the other characters as you go through them. Also, wasn't there, and maybe I'm remembering something not quite right, wasn't there a Mickey Rourke movie where he was like a handsome guy whose face got wrecked? And then he went on like a revenge spree. Uh, For some reason that keeps popping out in my head. That's the whole thing is like the stories are all very cliche. Yeah. Uh, And that was, again, also on purpose. It's it's kind of the thing we're kind of making fun of with all the killers is all killers from horror films. Backstories are generally pretty cliche, pretty much sometimes revenge and things like that. Um and sometimes they're just dark and bleak like Michael Myers where there is no backstory and it's just very scary. Yeah, <laughs> but that's what makes yeah. Michael work. <laughs> that's that's what makes Michael the best. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, but the legend, his name was Vincent Jones. He was like a handsome kid at school and then his face got wrecked in a hockey in a hockey game. <laughs> There's a, a lot. A face only a mother could love. Yeah, <laughs> a lot there to unpack. Um <laughs> The next character we come down to is Buddy. And Buddy is, if anything, is absolutely a reference to Chucky. Mm-hmm. But the other thing we wanted to do with him was we very much wanted to do a, a d- direct reference to what Chucky was based on. And Chucky was based on the original toy, which I actually owned as a kid, My Buddy. Um, and do you remember My Buddy and Kid yes, Sister? Yes, I do. I oh, do. yeah. My Buddy and Kid Sister were the big toys back then. Um, and... The thing we wanted to play with was, whereas um, Chucky was this character that, you know, was just this evil, maniacal monster killing people, we wanted to make it sort of a, he was kind of transferred into the the body of his son's doll because he was murdered by his wife, which was kind of a play on a Tales from the Crypt story, and I can't remember, oh, it's one of the original Tales from the Crypt stories where the mother kills the father and the son goes to bed and Santa's trying to invade the house and kill the mother. And we kind of like wanted to try to mix stories um, of the two things together. And we're like, you know, how can we play with some stuff from tales from the crypt? How can we play with some stuff from Chucky and things like that? It's a lot of fun. (laughs) Yeah. There's that's, that's the thing about horror movies. There, there are so many ways to make things to file the copyright notices off of a character, still make a recognizable character, but that is still you can use in so many ways that weren't done before with the original that you were thinking of, and just such a wide, awesome field to play in. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, um, and then we go to Doctor Ravenous. Doctor Ravenous is a reference to your kind of cannibal, uh, like Hannibal Lecter kind of characters. His, the funny thing is, we actually hid the address of our company on his shirt, which is kind of a fun thing for us because it says, I think it says like uh, inmate three seven six two, and three seven six two is just our address. Uh, but 
yeah, again, with a character like him, you know, it was very simple. Just wanted to kind of want to have a Dr. Giggles feel with him as well as a Hannibal Lecter feel with him, you know, because those those are the two characters that, you know, we wanted something where it was an evil doctor. We wanted something where the doctor uses a scalpel and things like that. Um, but we also knew that a lot of people were really hoping to see something like a Hannibal Lecter in our game. Gotcha. So, and then with the Dr. Ravenous, Ravenous is, of course, a direct reference to the movie Ravenous, which all deals with uh, cannibalism. Such a fun topic, too. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this one is actually a personal favorite of mine. The next one here, The Hatchling. When I was in, God, would that have been sixth grade? Gremlins was my out and out favorite movie. And so when when I opened the box of Mixtape Massacre and I found the Hatchling in there, I could have peed with joy at that very moment. <laughs> and and the cool thing about the Hatchling is what happened in the 80s when Gremlins got big and all the different kind of characters that came from that movie. Um, you had movies like Ghoulies, mm-hmm. these like Munchies. Um, I don't even know if you remember, like, do you remember Munchies where it was almost a direct ripoff of Gremlins? Yeah, well, you got to remember now, I think I'm a little bit older than you, but my Fridays and Saturdays, I spent watching VHS tapes of every shitty horror film I could find. Exactly. Yeah. yeah that, that, that's what I, I mean. We, I, it, it's funny, we just did this event called Slashback Video with Brian Turek from, um, from Shockwave's podcast, and he rebuilt a store like that, and when I walked in, it was a nostalgia trip like crazy because... It was like when we were kids, we would just go in, you'd see the covers, the covers looked so amazing, and you'd rent it, and half the time the movie didn't live up to the Oh, nowhere near the cover, yeah. (laughs) But it was funny, Munchies, you you see the cover of Munchies, and that character on the cover looks like Spike. It's like he's got a little mohawk and everything, and he's looking up a girl's dress and stuff like that. And we wanted to definitely hit on like the whole creature feature slash little critter kind of characters so we we wanted to have a character in that that was very much you know munchies ghoulies and gremlins um and the fun the fun thing of playing with that was also his backstory is very much creep show um whereas it's this monster that's kept in a box and as long as it's kept in the box nothing will happen i love that one creep show is one of my absolute favorites and that one where it's yeah the I don't know, almost like a Sasquatch in a box. Yeah, it's a crazy monster, but it has to be kept in the box. And and again, it's another great creature from from the 80s horror. And we were like, you know, we have to get something in there that has like that feel of like, you know, it's that feel of Gremlins where it's like the father lays down the rules. But we wanted it to be more like there's something in a box. Do not take it out of the box at night. Do like whatever you do. So um, we kind of played with that. And then. We even get a fun little reference in that uh, backstory of we. I think the father's name is Doctor Henry Jones, <laughs> which, <laughs> which, which that was fun just to throw in there. <laughs> we named the dog Indiana. <laughs> um, yeah. So your next character down here is Nightmare, which is a little little on the nose. Oh yeah, very yeah. much so. But the cool thing about Nightmare, Nightmare, of course, is 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 um, first a reference to uh, Freddy Krueger. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's also a reference if I, and I, it's funny. A lot of people, once you say it immediately, see it. He's a very heavy reference to one of my favorite Sam Raimi films, which is Dark Man. Man. Yeah. That one. one. Yeah. Um, And the whole thing is like, you know, whereas Freddie has this like glove with blades on it, he's actually got, his hands actually have claws. 
they're like these little old medieval gloves with like claws on them, um, which was really cool to like implement and put into the game. And um, <laughs> it's funny, we were laughing when we were kind of coming up with a backstory for him because the other thing was we really wanted to make it like the town was messed up. Um, so all the stories kind of interlink. They're all linked to the school or they're linked to things surrounding the school. Um, and we wanted to, we almost gave him like a Walt from Breaking Bad kind of backstory where he's this teacher that's a great science teacher, but he's underachieved and not appreciated. And then, you know, a bad accident happens at school and he starts taking things out on the students kind of thing. Yeah. That's another thing you guys did quite well was you have your board, which is very much like a traditional board where there's, you know, blank spaces, but also squares where it's, you know, you draw the card and you do the action, but your characters backstories all mixed with those parts of the board. Yeah, for sure. And yeah. So, I mean, that's kind of cool. Um, I used to live in a town here in California called Santa Cruz. I don't know if you're familiar with it. Very, yeah. Uh, okay. But, um, you know, when I was a kid, it was considered like the uh, the serial capital, uh, serial killer capital of the world because there were two two serial killers stalking there in the late 60s, early 70s. And because of that, there's all this, like, haunted background. And, like, when you live there, like, all these little tales and things you feel, you hear that feel comes through with the town your board game is set in too. Where yeah, it's, it's, yeah. Every location. And I, I, that's kind of a thing we, we were definitely going for is we wanted to feel like, you know, this place is cursed. Like as much as the game is tongue in cheek and it's very fun, we still want it to feel like a horror film, almost like cabin in the woods where mm -hmm. cabin in the woods, everything is very tongue in cheek and very funny, but there's still that, eerie feel of like oh man this is kind of creepy at the same time and it's, it, i like the idea that like every location carries with it like scars from like the past and that's why this is taking place that's why all these people are ascending on the town and causing all this chaos is like the is the town screwed us over in some way right that's kind of cool it reminds me a little bit that kind of feeling of silent hill the video game where the town is just cursed <laughs> uh, yeah just a pox upon the earth you know yeah well and it's it, and we definitely i think uh achieved that kind of feel by making it um with uh, you'll probably get to her soon the character sarah because sarah's character is actually older than the town uh, or her story is older than the town um so it kind of shows that like this town's been messed up for forever yeah <laughs> well so we'll just keep going here now the next character is the prom queen um, and as soon as you see this one, you, you know, at least the major influence behind <laughs> major her. Reference. Yeah. So. so, yeah, it's definitely, it's definitely, uh, I mean, there is no such thing as a horror film with a prom. If it's not Carrie, you know, girl in a pink dress kind of deal. She is covered in blood. It's also, you know, uh, a reference to prom night. That's mm -hmm. kind of the funny thing is that I feel like there's so many horror films where you can think back to, you and you're like, is there a prom in that? Does someone get killed at the prom? In that? <laughs> uh, one of our things was trying to make everyone into slashers and not giving people such crazy psychic abilities and things like that. So we definitely wanted to make her more grounded. So her story is basically, you know, that old girl's been waiting for forever to get asked out, gets asked out by the most popular guy, goes to the dance, and then he's screwing around with another girl. And I guess, like, her story, I think, ends with, like, she butchers the entire dance or something like that. Or anyone who made it out alive, I think, remembers that dance for forever. And so she's kind of haunting the town now as this 
you know, scorned lover. That's a that's a fun one. <laughs> yeah. And it's also a, a classic campfire story character, the, the the woman that sits on the porch for a thousand years waiting for her husband to come back. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> oh, um, so the next character, and we were just talking about her, is Sarah, and this is definitely... Well, I, I don't think I'm, I'm jumping too far out of the norm here to say based on, like, Korean or Japanese horror-type characters. So, yeah, she... So, Matt really wanted something that referenced the ring. And I was like, well... Um, I was like, the only problem is, dude, it's not in the 80s. He's like, yeah, but... And, and, and some, some other podcasts had brought up that, you know, did you have a hard time finding female villains from the 80s? Because the 80s was very much men going after women. kind of. and, and, and we agreed it was hard, but... What we did with her was we actually, as much as she references the ring, as you start to look closer at her, she's got chains around her wrists. She's got a book in her hand, which we hope some people get the Evil Dead reference with that. She's also wearing a very tattered and gross nightgown. And so we hope people get the Exorcist reference with that because we, we definitely feel that like as much as Korean horror and things like that, came up the ring i think a lot of people always forget that that kind of girl with the messed up hair kind of hanging in her face really did start with like like evil dead and the exorcist like oh yeah that scary little girl who no one saw it coming kind of thing came from yeah she's definitely she's definitely a mix of all three but the fun with her was to actually take that that kind of iconic look and give her that backstory of she was actually just an innocent girl who came upon a book, started reading the book. The town thought she was a witch and they burned her. And that's kind of what the town of Tall Oaks was founded on. And so she's kind of the original bad guy of Tall Oaks. The creepy little girl uh, horror character has been around since our dads were kids. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, that's that's one you just got to stretch a little bit there to make that one work, which is pretty awesome. I mean, you got a lot. There's a lot of reference in that character. So now, this character, I almost threw this damn piece, I almost threw this guy out of my game, because I find clowns to be terrifying. <laughs> Frickin' hate them. So you got Smiley, who's into synth pop. <laughs> <laughs> that That is the other fun part, is like, we, we kind of gave everyone their own soundtrack. Yeah, that's so cool. Um, and everyone's special move reference either a movie, or it references a song, which is also pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, so definitely listen to the soundtrack if you're playing the game. But yeah, Smiley, it's funny. We get it, it, we actually had a guy the other day accuse us of ripping off the new It. I think Mary Joy had responded with something like, well, we had actually developed this game four years ago or three years ago before anything from that new movie had been released to the public. So we didn't actually rip his look from that. But the, the idea of the killer clown has been around since, I mean, that's Gacy. Yeah. Uh, And I kind of, when I look at Smiley, some people see, some people immediately jump to it, which kind of was disappointing because I really, really thought we had done a good job of making it more of a killer clown, like killer clowns from outer Outer space. space. Yeah. He's got that big bulking look to him. Whereas I thought Tim Curry and then the new it, he's very, you know, he's very small and he doesn't look very intimidating. We definitely wanted to give this clown like the... It's like you said, people are very afraid of clowns, so we wanted our clown to be very monstrous and big. At the end of the day, we didn't have to hit too many references with this one because 
big people hate clowns. <laughs> and so we just wanted a we just wanted a mean clown in the game. And his backstory is very short and very sweet. It's basically, you know, he came to town with the circus. Circus left. He stayed behind and a lot of people are dying because of it. We we just we like we like the fact that killer clowns have always been a part of horror. And I think they're going to be a part of horror for a long time. As long as as long as we know what a clown looks like, we will exactly. always be afraid of those damn things. We'll always be afraid. Yeah. yeah. You're not Enough. the only person who's wanted to throw that piece out, though. The woman actually who a woman who bought it from us at Monster Mania said she'd like to buy the game without the clown. Yeah. In the box. And we were like, uh. <laughs> you guys could have a whole bonus game. It's like for an extra fifteen dollars, there's no clown. <laughs> no clown in the game. <laughs> Oh, the next guy is Stitches. Stitches is all sorts of things, but primarily he's a, you know, he's a kill Billy, I believe would be the proper term. Absolutely. You know, yeah. he's got the, he's got the, the chainsaw, which a lot of people immediately go Leatherface, And I'm like, okay, that's cool. That's fair. But I think he also, you know, he's got the overall look going on. Um, that gives him kind of the, you know, the kill Billy look, um, He's got the the furry uh, beard and bald top, which um, someone had caught onto it, saying it was a was it Grizzly Maniac or I can't think of the the name of the film. Ooh, that's one I don't know. But it's very much he looks a lot like that killer. Mm -hmm. um, but that's yeah, that's really what we were going for. Is we wanted you, you know, we wanted a good old boy in the game because you know you have movies like The Hills Have Eyes, you have movies where you know you've got your 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 down south killer. So. As much as he is Leatherface, he's also very much just your 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 good old boy that isn't such a good old boy. Yeah, what I what I actually liked about him is that as much as he is Leatherface, he is that amount not Leatherface as well. <laughs> exactly, especially when especially when you get to his 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 ridiculous backstory, which we all really enjoyed because we were like, we don't have any backstories that are just so stupid. It's ridiculous. And we were like, all right, we need to do one. So we came up with his backstory. <laughs> <laughs> was his is brain trauma from a goalpost, right? Yeah, his is brain trauma from a goalpost. And then every, and he, I think he, he was a lumberjack. And now every time he looks at people, he sees trees. That's amazing. <laughs> so it's just like this ridiculous, obnoxiously stupid backstory. Yeah. So. And then for, for those of you who like your horror with a side of uh, sexual fetish, we also have Thorn. <laughs> and Thorn, it's pretty hilarious. People immediately go, oh, it's got to be Hellraiser. And I go, it is. He's also very much death metal. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and he's very much just S&M, which I think a lot of people look past when they first see him. And he's very much a goth kid, which we wanted to get something in there that was very, very goth because it was the 80s. Yeah, you could, you could say he's pinhead because he's bald, but his backstory very much pitches him as a goth kid who was picked on and he made a, a deal with the devil. And so now to stay alive, he has to inflict pain on others. Fun time. So just just as kind of a side reference to the leather look of the 80s and metal and stuff like that, in the mid-2000s, I took my kids with me back when there were such things as uh, record stores. <laughs> and I bought, uh, oh, like Judas Priest, a handful of their albums and this, that, and the other. And I handed, I handed the CDs to my youngest son, who looked at them and said, hey, is this guy gay? <laughs> I'm like, you know, here's the thing. If you had said that to me in 1985, I might have karate chopped you in the neck. But yes, it turns out he was very, very gay. 
And uh, we just didn't know at the time, I guess, that leather was a thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's that was one of the things I also saw when I looked at this. I was like, I bet this guy listens to uh, Judas Priest. Judas uh, just, Priest. Yeah, I have a feeling. Judas Priest is definitely on the soundtrack. Yeah. Uh, well, it should be. If you're doing <laughs> if you're doing 80s music, you got to have Judas Priest on there. <laughs> I have to assume you guys spent a lot of time kind of refining and you know, seeing how many different references you get into each one, right? Do you have a favorite of your own characters? Uh, from a design perspective, I'd say my favorites are probably the legend and probably nightmare. Okay. I was really, I was really pumped. Like it's, it's pretty crazy. They're so small on paper, but if you get to see these things in real detail, like when we were, when Matt was drawing them, the, the detail in nightmares face from like the bandages and how it's, he's wrapped up kind of, he kind of has like an invisible man slash dark man look to him. I sure. just love, I love those little details. I love the details and the tears and the jackets and things like that. Um, I'm really big on like design like that. I love stuff like that. So I think those two, um, I would definitely also say I was a big fan of Sarah. Um, Sarah's a fun character. She's a lot of fun to, she's also really fun to play with. Um, if you can get to the cemetery, um, cause she's, her special ability allows you to, um, her special ability allows you to hurt everyone else in the game. Yeah. Get to the cemetery to cast her spell, which I, which I think is fun. Um, but yeah, I'd say those, I'd say those three are probably my top three. And then I mean, but I, I love them all. I, I love that. I love that we started with a list of about 24 and broke it down to 10 to make our 10 archetypes. Yeah, no, I think you guys did a bang up job with that. Um, we're going to start running down on time and I do have a, a topic I want to kind of get into a little bit with you. So before we do that, are you guys going to do expansions on this or additions or what's your future plans? So the expansion, uh, actually got kickstarted in May. Um, or was it May or June? May or June or June. It got kickstarted in June. Um, we achieved all the stretch goals. So. We have a new, brand new expansion coming that adds new enemies to the game. It adds new cards to the game. It adds new slashers to the game, which people will get a really big kick out of the new slashers. Um, and it adds uh, these unique cards called a bit of an event, which actually change up the rules of the game, destroy uh, destroy locations in the game. It adds a lot, lot, lot more gameplay. Um, and all the demonites we've had, people are really, really psyched on it. And from how well the Kickstarter did, I would say the fan base was pretty excited about the new uh, things coming. That will be released in, um, currently scheduled for release in March. You can pre-order it at mixtapemassacre.com. Okay, that's awesome. Um, I'm definitely going to have to buy that when that comes out. <laughs> I, I got your game. You know, I've been seeing the ads for it for a while, but it was just like um, one night I was doing what I like to call late night shopping with wine and uh, <laughs> finally just got around to ordering it. I, I don't want to say... <laughs> I don't want to say I drink heavily and then buy things on the internet, but that's where a lot of my major purchases come from. So <laughs> I, so we've, we've started playing it and we're trying to put together a regular game night with it. I am enjoying the hell out of this game. So if anybody out there is listening and you're on the fence, buy it. You're, you're, you're going to, it's, it's smaller than a bar tab. You're not going to miss the money that much. Check it out. <laughs> you're going to have fun playing it. You and your friends can spend time together playing it and have a blast which is also kind of the topic I wanted to get into with, with you for a few minutes here. Um, I know people now who are starting to play, like uh, guys who would have like beaten up people who played Dungeons and & Dragons and board games and things in the 80s are now starting to play those games. 
And some of it's that geek culture's caught on, but some of it is now board games and role-playing games and stuff like this are actually seen as a more socially valuable thing than sitting on your ass playing PlayStation. I couldn't argue with that at all because, I mean, that's basically what it is. is Whereas when you're playing a, a video game, everyone's looking at the screen. When you're playing a board game, you're sitting around with each other, you're talking to each other, you're interacting with each other, you're joking while you're doing it, you're talking about life while you're doing it, you're making fun of each other while you're doing it. You're you're in the game, but you're as much in the game as you are in it with your friends having a good time. Um, you know, there's a lot of people who mix drinking with playing board games. You know, it's all, tons of bars are doing the whole beer and board games. Um, it's a cool social uh, thing, and that's why we made the game. We made a game that you could play with friends, talk about horror, talk about the 80s, you know, get nostalgic. Like that's that's that was our main goal with the game was to, to make a cool love letter to the 80s um, that everyone can share and, and make jokes about. I'm stoked board games have caught on, but I agree with you. I don't think if I had done this 10 years ago, anyone would have wanted anything to do with it. And they probably would have just made fun of me from coming up with it. <laughs> they would have written dirty words on your uh, windshield and permanent marker and stuff. You know, you guys, I think, kind of hit a sweet spot through serendipity, which I don't want to discount. A lot of my best things that have ever happened to me have just been because I'm standing next to the right person at the right time. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's awesome. I love this game. I'm having a blast with it. Um, Fred, if people want to find out more, about your about mixtape massacre and what you got coming where can they find you at you guys can find us on instagram facebook and twitter or you can always visit our website which is mixtapemassacre.com we always have the latest news on there and the latest releases and you tweet we we tweet a lot <laughs> we're actually actually we're currently doing our 31 days of horror which is we're watching a horror movie every day so if you guys want to follow along and talk about movies we are all about it oh nice I, i've probably watched 31 horror movies this weekend um, I've really been off on a kick. What is your favorite horror movie right now as we were talking? I would go with Hell Knight. Um, okay. Yeah, it's very nostalgic for me, very much like makes me think of my, my family. Um, and yeah. It's just an awesome horror movie. And it's. That was a Linda Tales from the Crypt, right? No, uh, Hell, Hell, that's Demon Knight, which is another favorite. Oh, okay. Is, I was thinking of the wrong movie. Demon Knight is one of my favorite horror films. That movie is okay. like Billy Zane gold. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but Hell Knight is actually Linda Blair from The Exorcist, much older, playing a girl in college, stuck in a house with a bunch of other people getting hunted down by a killer named Andrew. And it's awesome. Um, so if you have actually Shout Factory or Scream Factory, one of the two, just got the rights. They're releasing it in December on Blu-ray. So if you've never seen it, definitely okay. pick that up. I will check it out this weekend. I have now for me, and I'll just share, share a quick story that listeners will have heard, but you don't know when I was like eight Friday, the 13th part two had just hit HBO. And when I was a kid, my parents, you know, I'm not saying I could watch porn or whatever. But my parents pretty much let me watch whatever I wanted. I was so traumatized by Jason jumping through the window at the end of that movie <laughs> that I've always kind of looked at hockey mask, Jason and looked at him and thought, hey, you know, compared to the sackhead, he's kind of a pussy, isn't he? <laughs> I mean, I will say it made him look cooler, whereas the sackhead makes him like it's unnerving because you don't get I feel like you could get more emotion, if that makes sense, out of the hockey mask. Whereas that mm -hmm. sack, you get no emotion. So much like Michael Myers, you get no emotion. So it's much yeah, scarier. you don't know what's going on. And also, I liked I like the um, for me, Friday the 13th, two, three, four. I watch those movies and those are kind of like my Friday the 13th. 
Part two, Jason, I still find more terrifying than the rest. Even though the makeup they use in part three, I feel like you could run into that guy at the grocery store. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know, there's this. You know, there's people out there, unfortunately, born with pro, you know, physical disformities and things. The part three one always like seemed freakier to me because I could see just like bumping into that dude in the parking lot. Yeah. You know. He's- yeah. So yeah. Oh, do you have a favorite uh, uh, Jason or a slasher character that you would like to reference before we wrap this up? Slasher character? Um, yeah. I would probably go with Michael Myers. Um, there you I, go. Yeah, I love Michael. Um, there's nothing creepier than a guy who you don't know what's wrong with him. <laughs> and, and turns like, especially a guy who, when he was a child, did one of the most brutal murders ever. And you've never heard a word out of his mouth. You'll never hear a word out of his mouth. And he's always coming for you. I think that's very frightening. <laughs> yeah. He he was like the Terminator before that was a thing. Exactly. Yeah. There's there's no yeah. purpose. There's no mission, which makes him ten times scarier. <laughs> yep. He just he's going to kill you. There's no reason why. He's just going to do it. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, hey, uh, Fred, this has been a blast. Thank you for coming on. I really appreciate it. Um, would you guys do me a favor and let me know as you release things, send me a press update or something so I can help spread the news. Though. Absolutely. Yeah. You got, it. I would really, I would really appreciate that. Uh, so everybody go check out mixtape massacre. Their websites at mixtape massacre.com. Like you said, you can find them on Twitter, Facebook, uh, Instagram, just about anywhere else that the internet exists. You can find them there. And you can find us at geekishcast.com or on Facebook at facebook.com slash geekishcast. And I tweet from at the geekishcast. I am on Instagram, but it's just so I can watch pictures of greyhounds and cosplay girls. So <laughs> don't don't worry about finding me there. Fred, thank you again. It was a lot of fun. All right. Thanks again. All right. Bye-bye. Talk to you later. Bye, everybody. Geekish Cast is a Vias and Victor production and is part of the Astro Panda Productions Network. You can find us now on SoundCloud and on Blog Talk Radio. Our theme music is taken from the song Out to Get Mine by Reign of Zaius. Check them out at reignofzaius.net.